Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Beyond Zero is Toyota's vision of a carbon-neutral future and more. Toyota gives you the power to reduce carbon emissions and help move toward its vision with a wide selection of electrified vehicles. Whether you're into hybrid EVs for that traditional Toyota feel with better MPG, battery EVs for a smooth and silent ride, or plug-in hybrid EVs that switch between battery and fuel, Toyota has you covered. And for those who prefer hydrogen, Toyota's fuel cell EVs emit nothing but water vapor from the tailpipe. So cool. Giving you the choice on how to reduce carbon emissions and move closer to Toyota's Beyond Zero Vision. Visit toyota.com slash electrified-vehicles slash beyond-zero-vision. Toyota, let's go places. This episode is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor. Featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Your dream setup, amazing prices, and free shipping await you for a limited time only at Alienware dot com slash deals that's alienware.com slash deals from ufos to psychic powers and government conspiracies history is riddled with unexplained events you can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. That makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. You guys ever heard the... Uh, I was thinking, what's a good way to get into this? Have you guys ever heard the phrase, the United States as the world's police? Sure. Yeah. yeah. In that uh, uh, South Park movie. <laughs> America for Team America World Police, right? That was the whole joke about behind that movie. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah. Sim- simply because we go around setting up military bases in a lot of places. Willy and or nilly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and look, obviously, Americans in the audience tonight are going to be the first to point out this country has uh, serious problems. If we're going to be diplomatic about it, also diplomacy, ooh, that comes into play. Uh, but the the facts on the ground are the following. The United States, despite its uh, shenanigans and despite some unethical actions, uh, it has also maintained rule of law. It has stabilized global trade. Right now, the United States is helping fight pirates. That's right, folks. Pirates are a thing again. And uh, it turns out if... If he digs your vibe, Uncle Sam can and will provide endless benefits to your government. And military. Uh, And military. Well, first your military, and then maybe your military becomes your government. As they say in the musical Hamilton, it must be nice 
It must be nice to have Washington on your side. This is the story of one such program, a traveling show, if you will, called Exercise Flintlock. What is it? Why do critics deem it controversial? Here are the facts. Uncle Sam is a he's a busy boy. He's a busy, busy boy. Can I just get out of the way so I don't say it later? Whenever I see Flintlock, I think of Flintstones and Bedrock. Just putting that out there. Yeah. Yeah. I think about starting fires. Don't you guys? That's it. Huh? A little flint. Um, yeah. So this this episode is kind of like a what a break off from our oh the places you can't go episode that we recently did. Um, just because we were looking at what was going on in Africa and why there were so many coups going on there pretty recently, and uh, um, I don't want to spoil too much, but that's we're looking at this specific thing called exercise flintlock that reminds me a lot of our previous episodes we've done on large-scale military drills and almost like um, get-togethers i guess that have occurred like jade helm in the past mm, picnics you know that kind of stuff get togethers yeah a little bit of fellowship you know a well, little bit of common interest shared some light target practice perhaps some some ops well, yeah, yeah, but in like Jade Helm that we've covered in the past, like I said, you can find our episode on it. That was, it's almost more of um, um, private military contractors and companies that produce military gear kind of getting together and showing off what's available, right? Right. And then it's like a trade show almost. It is like a Comic Con. <laughs> with, a, with a mixed in like urban battleground exercise kind of thrown in there you know what was the one that the conspiracy theory was that they did it at walmart or something or they Jade took that was the one yeah that, that ended up being bunk but it was uh it was believable for a sec it was i think it was due to uh concerns about fema because there were many pre-made containers that were arriving via rail there was also a helicopter we talked about that. That's right. That was in a uh, disused Walmart. Uh, that ended the, up being storage for some official use. They were just using that, or they were leasing that property for official mm -hmm. storage use. Mm -hmm. And, you know, most people in the United States are, I would say, vaguely aware that Uncle Sam gets up to some stuff abroad. And accept this as a known fact and don't often dig deeper into the specifics of these activities, uh, much less the economic forces at play, unless they are pointed toward uh, exploration of these via, you know, your favorite media of choice. And it's true. The U.S. has committed numerous horrifically illegal acts on foreign soil and spoiler on its own people, on its own soil in the past. Uh, these acts continue in some version in the modern day, according to critics. And yes, the U.S. economy makes a great deal of profit from these activities year over year. I was hoping, if it's okay with you guys, we could throw to just one little little juicy nugget uh, from old President Eisenhower, which our pal Rob Reiner also pointed to in an earlier It's not a dinosaur-shaped because it might be a dangerous nugget, if that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the thing you just said, Ben, about the horrific acts, uh, illegal acts, it kind of feels like one of those things where uh, the sentiment is, well, if we do it, it's not illegal. Hmm. You know, I mean, uh, you know, because we never make it to any kind of uh, criminal, you know, like international court to be judged well unless you throw a little party like the church committee that again we just talked about with mr reiner 
And uh, the United States does not respect the jurisdiction of the ICC, the International Criminal Court. So former President Eisenhower, on his way out of office, this is something we talked with our pal Rob about, uh, he warned the United States and indeed the world that he was worried a certain industry might take over what he saw as the otherwise noble mission of being the global police. Here's a short clip from his farewell address. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. Ah, fun fact about that speech, uh, he, he did write it himself, and before he went to air with this farewell address, uh, he was calling it the military-industrial congressional complex. Mm. That, that, that Which part was a got dig, snipped right? out. That was a, yeah. yeah, wouldn't that have been considered a dig on Congress? And so they thought it was too much or what? Well, somebody's got to authorize the war and, you know, the military actions. At least, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And I just mean it got cut because it maybe was considered a little too pointed, perhaps. Right. Yeah. Hashtag Smedley Butler was right. Uh, there, There is another factor in this, which is that in the process of pursuing hegemonic power and year-over-year profits for different connected companies, the United States does also ensure a degree of, when things work, stability, continuity, and safety. Depends on your perspective, though, because a, a significant amount of U.S. military activity on foreign soil, it centers on what we would call facilitation. We're not going to wage the war, but we're going to teach you how wars are waged. We'll give you a little nudge, maybe a little help, perhaps some uh, armaments. Interested? Mm-hmm. Shout out mm-hmm. School of the Americas. Uh, recently rewatched our old video on the School of Americas, and it holds up located for a time in Fort Benning, Georgia. Yeah. Did we say what Flintlock is exactly? I know I, I kind of like vaguely talked about stuff that's like it, but do we say exactly what it is yet? Flintlock is, well, it depends on who you ask, right? That's what we're setting up because Flintlock is one of those uh, facilitational activities. In its most recent iteration, uh, it's two weeks per year, right? Uh, and that started in 2005. But th- there's a long history to it because starting around the end of World War II, the United States earned a bit of a street rep for overthrowing Unfriendly governments, often through unethical means, we're talking propping up student movements, quote unquote, arming secessionist groups, like you pointed out, Noel, even assassinating elected leaders, coup d'etat as functional policy. Uh, And for critics, exercises like Flintlock are a direct descendant of ethically questionable behavior. But for supporters, this is necessary. This is holding the line uh, from chaos. What makes it an exercise versus an operation? <laughs> okay, so that I think that's what I want to get to, like actually define it. So it is a special operations counterterrorism exercise where there are all kinds of different drills and training scenarios that um, the, the DOD call, often in the U.S. Army calls them regional forces. But it's really just a bunch of different militaries and paramilitary groups that are from what they call their African partners. Again, the DOD and the U.S. Army. 
Um, and it's a bunch of partner nations within Africa that work together with the U.S. and with a couple other European countries to basically train their militaries and their troops or, you know, small groups of their militaries in these counterterrorism special operations tactics. Police forces as well mm -hmm. uh, to militarize those further. Uh, again, this was not happening, is not happening in a vacuum. Uh, in, during the Cold War, the USSR was doing very similar things. We have to remember, and terrorist groups are doing similar things now. Uh, rival states are using proxies like Wagner, like Hezbollah, and so on. The, we have to remember these things, these tactics, this practice of facilitating learning, uh, they are used because they work and they are effective the way firearms are effective. Their success is a matter of operational rather than moral or ethical efficacy. So it doesn't matter to the gun who gets shot. It matters to the gun that the gun works. And in the wake of Iraq and its sequels, and notably the terrorist attacks of September 11th, 2001, the U.S. military industrial complex that Eisenhower warned us about found an opportunity to normalize and mainstream a never-ending war. This comes in the wake of uh, when the U.S. figured out, hey, what if we wage wars on ideas, right? There's the war on drugs. Drugs won. There's a war on poverty that was very short-lived because it didn't do well in the polls. And then, of course, there are culture wars. So, this larger milieu, this context, is mission critical for us to understand. The, there is an active war on terrorism. What is terrorism? Depends on who you ask. It's definitely non-state actors. Those are, those are like, uh, that's one of the big differences. What makes a war on terror different from a war on a state power? It's about optics, right? I mean, it's like one – we always say one person's freedom fighter is another person's terrorist. And all depending on how you label the terrorist, it can be a convenient tool to making them an enemy that you then need to eradicate. And it – you know, you wage a certain amount of the war in the war of public opinion. You know, nobody wants to think that you're going after good guys who are trying to liberate, you know, their people. You have to be fighting a bad guy. Yeah, I and it's really interesting because a, another aspect of Flintlock is to have these the individual countries and militaries not only you know fighting uh, against terrorism within their within their own territory, but to train them to share that information right and to encourage the sharing of information across borders. Because as you said, Ben, like terrorism, if you're fighting that rather than a neighboring country, that thing could exist. In your on your land, right outside your land, deep in, you know, a couple neighbors over land. So it's interesting to think about there needing to be some kind of united front to really combat a concept like that. That, that could be it could represent any number of different cells or organizations. Mm -hmm. which are often fluid and decentralized. Three key differences between a war on capital T terror versus the war on a conventional state power. Uh, traditional agreements like the Geneva Convention, those agreements erode. Those ideas about, you know, the Red Cross, about journalism, etc., they fall to the wayside quite quickly. And second, the opponent, the whatever represents capital T terror, has no limiting factors in terms of legality. 
the the concept of war crime is not a concept practiced by a terrorist group. And they're the third and it sounds like a small detail, but I, I think it speaks directly to some of the points we're bringing up. There's no clear representative leadership, meaning there's often no single authoritative source to declare victory or defeat altogether. That means you could be fighting a war that does not end. It simply transforms. This is true. Look at Boko Haram. Look at ISIL, ISIS. Look at Al Qaeda. The like, um these groups can function at an advantage. A powerful state actor, yes, can become economically addicted to war, and arguably the U.S. and several European countries are in that situation. However, a powerful enough non-state actor can leverage existing tensions and conflicts, right? You know Saudi Arabia and Iran don't get along, so which one of them is going to fund your newest project, right? And what do they want? This means that these groups can, at times, enjoy the advantage of power, state-level power, with very few constraints that that power typically entails. I think the part about a lot of this that really, I learned this phrase recently, bakes my noodle, is that there really is no moral high ground. It's all just deal-making, it's like who who is going to benefit us um, in the long term? How can we, you know, whatever in some way walk away from it with some kind of upside? But it's not about saving the world. It's not about protecting innocence. It's it about really it's hurts about, my feelings. <laughs> it's about saving a version of the world. The problem yeah. is people don't agree on which version, right? Ooh. I mean, that's I and I love bake my noodle. That's a great one. Uh, so. Well, okay, so well, just yeah. something to bring up in here is that we're you're talking about who's going to fund it in the I get we'll get deep into this, but in the case of this giant exercise flintlock that we're going to be talking about, it's not just the U.S. military and the partners like uh, the European partners coming in with a bunch of money and saying, "Hey, have some free training." Right. This is the U.S. and these contractors and everybody that's working, you know, with them for this training, getting these African countries to pay to be a part of it that then funds the entire thing, right? It's not just some party that they're going to have. It gets funded by the members, the partners that are selected from the African countries. And as long as you don't look too deep into the forensic accounting of where the money to fund that stuff comes from, then it's all well and good. There are clear good and bad guys. The United States encountered a renaissance of training and facilitation across South America, Asia, parts of Europe, the continent of Africa. Uncle Sam started growing, training, and guiding militaries in a conflict that it characterized as a borderless conflict. The idea at first blush Obviously, it's utopian. Could we stop wars before they began? If we could, then we would necessarily have to. It would be the ethical thing to do. Flintlock grew from this milieu, and that's part of why it continues today. It's like green war. <laughs> you know, like, you know, it, it's, uh, gosh, it's just, it's packaging. This idea of a war without borders, it's not possible. That's not how wars work. But it's all about this kind of like PR line. It's oh, sorry. It's making me very, very depressed. Well, <laughs> this is uh, this is us giving you some context. Uh, this is us giving a, a little bit of a, a dance in the shallow pool. Let's pause for a word from our sponsors and dive into the deep water. 
Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know taxis and stuff shady subscriptions did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase but then you found yourself subscribed yeah i had to call and stop payment on something because i had subscribed to it through apple pay and even though i had like put a new card on there it still was tied to whatever card was associated with my apple pay so i had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled it was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All oh, my friends love it. I love that it's kids safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Here's where it gets crazy. All right, uh, what is Flintlock? What is Flintlock? Well, uh, first, Flintlock is uh, kind of an umbrella term that describes a series of different, like you said, Matt, different training programs. Again, sort of like exporting American tactics and Possibly a little bit of ideology, but definitely training and hardware uh, to other countries. So let's go to the United States Africa Command, uh, street name Africom, which is, that yeah, makes sense. It's a nice portmanteau. Um, here's how they describe this uh, ongoing program. Flintlock, U.S. Africa Command's premier and largest annual special operations exercise has taken place annually since 2005 across the Sahel region of Africa among nations participating in the Trans-Sahara Counterterrorism Partnership and are planned by African Partner Nations Special Operations Forces, Special Operations Command, Africa, and the U.S. 
uh, Department of State to develop the capacity of and collaboration among African security forces to protect civilian populations. Great. 10-10. No notes, right? Uh, this, uh, there, there's a lot of uh, somewhat vague language there, right? Uh, the Trans-Sahara Counterterrorism Partnership is something that a lot of people in the West probably haven't heard of, because why would you know about this if you weren't looking? Uh, the statement that you read, Noel, it's from 2023. However, flintlock, going to your earlier point about an umbrella term, flintlock is much older as an idea. It dates back to the 1960s when Special Forces Group, it was a 10th Special Forces Group, were they were attempting to fight against communism they were training uh to they were training forces in denmark and germany west germany of course uh and spain and, and greece yeah yeah in in an attempt to prevent the spread of fascism there were bulwarks against the domino theory which we talked about a little bit earlier and it continued after that and with Rob Reiner, if I'm not mistaken, right? The domino theory, we talked about communism as kind of this ghoul that had to be dealt with and sort of justified a lot of ends. Mm -hmm. uh, specifically Vietnam, uh, Southeast Asian theater. And we have to remember that on the other side of the Cold War equation, the USSR was looking at capitalism in much the same way. Uh, exercise Flintlock, this is a cool little bit of history. Uh, it continued some version of it. Uh, and we know that the roadshow moved to the United Kingdom in the 1980s. And we know part of this due to an extremely unfortunate death. Uh, Sergeant First Class, a guy named Clifford Strickland, died testing something that in theory is super cool. It's the skyhook system. Remember that from Christopher Nolan's Batman? Oh, yeah. It's immediately what, what came to mind. Yeah. Wait, I don't the, know what that is. What is that? Skyhook was uh Remember the the scene yeah. where he, he like gets extracted with like a like a harness and then like basically a plane he takes comes the down. accountant out. Yeah, okay. The evil accountant uh big who, scene. He, he's in Tokyo or something. Like he's definitely out of the country and it's meant to be like a, a military level extraction kind of I deal. believe he's in Hong Kong because right. uh the government of China will not uh extradite one of their own. That's the line there, right? And so, so anyway, uh, Flintlock also has this experimental aspect to it, right? There's a lot of tried and true training and tactics. And then, at least in the 1980s, there were a couple of uh, more innovative things that went spectacularly wrong. And when people talk about Flintlock now, they're not really talking about that stuff from decades ago. They're referring to the ongoing training program via AFRICOM and its partners that began in 2005. Uh, the, the less sexy, less cool name for this kind of stuff is JCET, Joint Combined Exchange Training. Snapping the fingers to wake up anybody who fell asleep hearing that. <laughs> Oh, no, you're a chicken again. Oh, sorry about no, that. You've been hypnotized oh, this worst, whole time. The worst thing you could possibly be. <laughs> Please don't chase me around a campfire. Tiny yeah. dinosaurs. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, just this exercise is so uh, complicated and weird, and it's, it's got such a history, Ben. Thank you for finding all this stuff in the history. Is It's, it's so nuts. Uh, but it's... It's weird to think that it's not just U.S. military. It's not just 
United Kingdom military and those two Western forces and their interests and uh, uh, what training that's being provided, right? The tactics that those two countries have. Um, they're bringing in all kinds of other partners. Um, I think Germany has been a part of it for quite a while. They're, they're a major part of AFRICOM in general. Um, but, and it's not just us military training. It's also like us intelligence from the FBI that gets involved to share tactics for policing. As you said, there, these, um, these exercises get involved with the local police forces, uh, as well as the department of justice to help out with, you know, how to actually bring justice to the bad guys once you get a hold of them or how to pursue those things. And even the state department, of the United States when it comes to those anti-terrorism activities and how to uh, track down, basically how to investigate, track down, and then in a weird way, question like local civilians of resident, like just of a residential area where maybe something has gone down, you're tracking leads, how to interrogate people. It's really crazy how just multifaceted this series of exercises is. Another important point there, uh, in terms of the the intelligence stuff and the and the State Department stuff, uh, from my understanding, there's a significant amount of instruction put into what we will call hearts and minds projects. Like not only how do we find the people we're calling the bad guys this decade, but how do we also persuade civilians in rural areas that we are in fact the good guys? How do we yeah. how do we frame and guide their perspective? Well, yeah. How do we get those people to raise a hand? Right. The the whole see something, say something kind of mentality. You can you can see that getting injected into this. Hey, I'm a stranger from Langley. Snitch on your cousin for me. <laughs> What's going to happen? Oh, he's probably going to die, you know, but well, I'll tell you that up front. You guys like this, blue jeans? You guys like 50 way, cent? It's the same way the cops do you, and they try to get you to flip on somebody. They say, oh, you'll, you'll be fine. We'll protect you. Don't worry about it. And then, you know, they, they don't, and you end up dead. And again, again, we are, when we talk about this, when we talk about things like Flintlock, we, I think it's very important for us to say we are in no way accusing the people who are operating there of being supervillains. We're not saying they're out there to do evil stuff. Again, if you look at the official rationale, if you look at the the types of programs, which, you know, some of it's classified for sure, but if you look at what they're doing, they are attempting to empower people. They are attempting to empower local governments that would otherwise potentially be overrun by the consequences of previous similar exercises. Whatever. It's true. Uh, or, well, yeah. Or are despots and dictators? I mean, there are, you know, there are moneyed interests, right, that have strings attached to other powers. Like, that's kind of what you mean. Like, uh, other very powerful countries that have uh, economic interests in various African countries that have various troves of resources, right? That can be extracted. And we know that those often the governing bodies can be manipulated uh, depending on what kind of purse you're throwing around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Wagner, right? Mm -hmm. Street name, Russia. Shout out to, uh, shout out to our, uh, our good friends uh, working for uncle G uh, you know what I mean? Uh, shout out to, uh, shout out to 
France's public relations team for still trying to make them look like the good guys in Africa. <laughs> They're pretty charming. Yeah, well, the French maybe yeah. in Paris. Uh, you should see them when they're out in the field. So oh, fair enough. Yeah. So U.S. Special Forces in the current iteration of Flintlock, they kick it twice a year in the African continent for this training. And the most recent version happened March 1st through 15th of 2023. It's a win-win, or that's how it's seen. And there is validity to the concerns. The threat of nebulous terrorist or separatist groups, it looms large on humanity's first continent. Specifically now, in 2023, Flintlock is attempting to... Um, provide expertise and security for nations being affected by chaos in the Sahel, like you mentioned, all the Sahel region of Africa. Uh, there are a lot of chaotic groups there that have, we'll say it, ties to larger global entities at times. And they themselves, again, going back to tactics, many of these groups also have training and in some cases equipment that is state actor level. And as such, it could overwhelm domestic state forces that historically have struggled with corruption, with funding, uh, and, and honestly, with decent training, because you need experienced people when you're engaging in this sort of business. Well, and let's talk about the specific countries that have been involved in this. They, uh, many of them have been involved like from early in the process back in 2005 when this version of let's say this version of flintlock began right um and so have it continued on others have joined up more recently but you know it, the stuff i was looking at guys was from around 2020 when flintlock was occurring then and then just looking forward um but i'll just we can list list off some countries here african nations that have been partners for flintlock Include Burkina Faso, Cameroon, Chad, Cabo Verde, Guinea, Mali, Mauritania, Morocco, Niger, Nigeria, Senegal, uh, what, Ghana. Uh, there's just, there are a ton of countries that have been involved. And we're going to talk about in a little bit. There may be a reason that you've heard some of those names pretty recently in the news. Mm hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. So <laughs> right uh right now earlier this year uh as you said Matt the newest iteration of Flintlock was conducted uh it is international. It was conducted in Ghana and Cote d'Ivoire, uh not French speakers, Ivory Coast you might also know it as. Uh we are talking this time around 1300 military personnel from all told 29 countries in some capacity. Basically, and I know this might make some of our fellow conspiracy realists who are veterans, I know it might make some of us a little salty to hear it, but basically, you could call it a pop-up version of the School of the Americas. Uh, oh, dude. Or uh, what was the training camp where uh, the, oh gosh, we just talked about it with Rob Reiner. The Cuban exiles were being trained for sniping and where Lee Harvey Oswald, uh, you know, apparently showed up and was trained to use Brigade. a rifle. 2506 is that the oh, one? Oh, it was something like that, but it was a oh, that was the group of dudes yeah. that were sponsored by the CIA. That wasn't where they hung out. They JM hung out. Wave, I think, or, or I don't know how to. I don't Dave know. and Buster's. We're almost there. We're close. <laughs> Damn it! 
It was one of those. It was definitely yeah. one of those or something like it. But the aim, the aim of Flintlock is to, again, empower local governance, right? Empower the local armed forces, which does often involve militarizing the police such that they can continue things that we often take for granted in the United States. Just to be very clear, one, one example would be uh, the peaceful passage of power. Right. Mm. The fact that for quite some time, the United States, a very young country, has successfully and peacefully passed from one president to another, even when they clearly hate each other. Like the fact that that has happened for a couple centuries is kind of cool. And it's not super common in world history for that kind of thing to occur. So so there is validity to the statement about this, but there's also the other side. One of the big factors here, it's not altruism. One of the big factors is to ensure the spice flows, whatever mm. the spice may be, to ensure the stability of global trade and therefore, indeed, the global economic system as it is currently understood. Guys, if you don't mind, I'd love to read a, a quick quote from R. Clark Cooper uh, that we talked about before. This guy is a part of the... I guess he's a part of the State Department, let's say, and he is speaking at the closing ceremonies for Flintlock 2020, and he's talking about, I think, the same thing, but not saying it out loud. Does that make sense? He's speaking around it in a way? Let's hear it. Let's hear the dance. Please. Okay. Oh, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in here, but let's I'm, just... I'm so excited. Okay. Uh, it's kind of long. Bear with me. Here we go. But more than being an opportunity for us to each improve individually, Flintlock is an opportunity for all our nations to grow together in a healthy partnership. But not all partnerships are healthy. But the one we celebrate here today is, how can I tell? Simple. Because it's a partnership based on mutual respect and shared values, not self-interest and exploitation. Because partnership contributes to self-sufficiency, not lasting dependency. It, is that not a little condescending? It's, uh, it does feel that way to me, yeah. but I don't know. I, I, I don't know, but it's, I, I just got to gotta set please, this please. up so you get the f yeah, yeah. feel of the way he's talking to everybody um and and you just wonder is he talking to the leaders right or is, is he talking to the you know each individual person who is participating uh, he, i'm gonna keep going just a little bit further here quote and to sustainable capability not burdensome debt partnership is not just a means to an end but a path which we value for the friendships it creates and the lessons we all learn side by side our relationship is one of cooperation, mutual respect, and transparency. And today, no other nation can match the United States' commitment to the continent. Oh, okay. the continent, do you see, you do you see yeah, that there? Yeah. Oh, when, we're yeah. when we're talking about um, the U.S. wanting to assert itself in the entirety of the African continent as... Um, Papa safety, Papa money, you know, like I'm the, I, he's like, the Papa Roach? <laughs> yeah, well, global just like police. Yeah. Global police. Like we're going to keep you safe. We're going to help you stay safe and we're going to help you be prosperous. And we're, we're here gonna, for you. We're going to teach you to fish. And Hey, if that means you end up in our Navy tight, <laughs> it, that's it exactly me, it. 
the Georgia Public Broadcasting here in Atlanta has this. They they adopted this new slogan a handful of years ago, and I despise it because it has the same vibe as this. It's Georgia Public Broadcasting. We respect and appreciate your intelligence. <laughs> wow. And the way they say it, the sound of the voice is just like really. Do you really? <laughs> that feels like someone's really? texting you in a relationship oh, after an it's argument. Very disingenuous. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's the best opener, but that that quotation uh, from from Big Coops is uh, is in line with the earlier statements and signals that the U.S. and the global West have given to uh, to the nations of Africa. Uh, and the tough part about that is that. While those statements have been made and broadcast, they occur in step with some troubling things, not just resource extraction. That's old beans, but tune in for our previous episodes on that. Uh, (laughs) And if you just hear that statement, right, like you're sitting there and you've never met this guy for some reason, you know nothing about colonialism, et cetera, and uh, the CIA and the various companies controlling it, then you might say, well, who, buddy? This sounds fantastic. Thanks, big coops. I can't wait. I, we, I'm, you know what? If you hear that, sign me you, up right now. I was going to say, if you didn't join in this year, then man, you're going to want to get in next year. We want to teach you get how on to the ground fish. Floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we want get on the boat. Get on the boat with us is what they're saying. And Hop what in the tank? That's <laughs> what they're always saying. Yeah. So, also to be fair, given that millions, millions, and millions of innocent people have been murdered, assaulted tortured, forced out of their communities uh, by terrorist or separatist organizations, uh, several of which, again, seem to have their own pretty high-end training, then the question, again, becomes a, a moral quandary. Who would not want to help? How could you look at this situation and not become involved? We're going to pause for a word from our sponsor, and then we're going to explore pretty unpleasant badger in this bag. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. 
It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. (laughs) I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. We're back, as we've seen in the case of the School of Americas, or the Americas, excuse me, uh, as Mm. well as in the cases of various like student activists and freedom fighter groups, there isn't a lot of oversight applied to what happens post-training. I'll teach you all these insurrection techniques, all these interrogation techniques. We'll teach you why the third story is a great place for your enemies to hang out. And then after that, you know, do you dog? Yeah. Well, and one of the, one of the first things that exercise Flintlock focuses on is getting the upper command levels together and doing training with, with uh, those individuals in small groups. Right. And I, y'all, I don't want to get too conspiratorial, but it feels like Why? It's in, a conspiracy. Point. Well, I'm I feel like those in, I feel like if you're, I, I don't know, I, I feel like if you're on the pulpit, right, in the way that it feels like Cooper kind of is when he's speaking about what Flintlock's doing, if you're having a small session with the upper echelons of these individual partner countries, it feels like you could almost be preaching to them a philosophy more so even than tactics, Um at least at that upper level, because you've, you're trying to make everybody see the same picture or vision. Sure. The, the, and also the tough thing about speaking from the pulpit is you don't hear the whispers in the pews. And I think that's the ghost that comes to haunt mm. programs like Flintlock. I mean, the, the, the big concern, to your point, Matt, the big concern is, is kind of ideological. And it's an ideology that on the surface, any decent person can agree with. Human beings should have a say in their government. You should be able to vote for things. Human beings should have a reliable, predictable, day-to-day, year-over-year sense of safety and security, right? And, and also have the room for luxuries, for aspirations, and so on. These are all very basic things. It's crazy that they become a hot take so often in the history of humans. But the like the big concern then is that you can train people to the to the best of your ability, right? Not just in tactics, which tactics are 
tactics can be perishable, right? Just like intelligence. The way to conduct a war back in the day of Napoleon is not the way to conduct a war today. If you march a bunch of people just straight in a series of lines, they're going to die. They're going to get killed. But ideology may not be perishable. And the idea is, going back to the example of uh, firearms, having no moral self-evaluation, you're teaching people to be guns and you are at the same time asking them to retain enough humanity to only fire at the quote unquote bad guys. And you're hoping that they will agree with you for the rest of their lives on who is the bad versus the good guy. What's that expression? If, if you're a hammer, then everything starts to look like a nail, you know? Yeah. But it's such, some of it is such specialized tactics for like the like the breach and clear kind of thing, the close quarters tactics, the it's some of its guerrilla style stuff that you would be carrying out. I, I it feels like the stuff you would need to stage a coup. What? You know? Let's start a coup. It's not just a show. <laughs> it's it's true. This this these insurrection tactics again. They are instituted and taught and to a degree institutionalized because they work. And there's a deeper thing here. If we're getting conspiratorial, another cool thing about this is, well, not cool, interesting, intellectually fascinating. If you are the source of the education, if you are the source of the insurrection tactics uh, and the coup mechanisms, that also means that you can recognize when those are being applied somewhere else. So if somebody if somebody studies at your school and then they go out into the streets of the world and they say, hey, guys, I learned something interesting about how you might seize a government facility, then you are going to recognize it because you taught that game first. Right. So so there is, I think, an implicit added benefit to this. I mean, the the problem is you can't control the gun. You can't give it a conscience. You cannot dictate people's minds. The Manchurian candidate has never successfully been created. So the same people trained by the U.S., by Canada, France, Italy, Germany, all the other ones, uh, they can leverage their knowledge to become something very similar to the monsters they were originally trained to fight. Yeah, what what happens when somebody you've trained like that and given an ideological seed, right, that then grows uh, and you see, let's say you're in the upper echelons of a country like, oh, I don't know, uh, Nepal. OK, sure. Let's say Nepal. And you watch the governing the people who are governing that country, you can physically see and hear about and know the corruption that's happening at the upper levels. Is that person going to want to stop that corruption because you've gone through this this training that specifically is anti-corruption along with being anti-terrorist and anti-terrorism? There's an indoctrination component, no question. Because these things are linked together, right? And I'm not saying uh, uh, corruption at the highest levels. I'm not saying that that's right. I'm saying that that is probably pretty common in every country everywhere always uh corruption at the upper levels but if you've been trained specifically to see that and then you've got ways to fight that thing and like ways to think about fighting that corruption 
it just it feels like you're setting up a bunch of dominoes and then just waiting for one of them to fall eventually that you don't control but you've set the dominoes up in a way that when that first one does fall you know you kind of understand the outcome you control the chaos yeah and there's also i mean the the other side first off we're not taking shots at nepal uh they did have a coup in 2005 uh, but you know, that's just cause coups are very in fashion right now. They're like the yeah. hottest thing. Yeah. We could have said Gabon or Niger or Guinea mm-hmm. or Burkina Faso or mm-hmm. Chad or mm-hmm. Mali or Sudan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now keep it coming. Drop the beat. No. Oh, and that's just me naming a couple of names. Uh, according to Al Jazeera in an article he wrote on August 30th, there have been 45 coups on the African continent out of the 54 nations uh, since 1950. So 45 yeah. coups since 1950. Oh, yeah. And there were some, uh, the, some of the, the new coups that dropped recently <laughs> yeah. are going are gonna to surprise, surprise folks. Uh, let's, let's build on this historical fact, right? Let's uh, build on the historical fact that, yes, uh, people have trained what they thought of as sheepdogs to protect a herd from wolves. And in some cases, they would have you believe that the dogs just joined up with the wolves. In any case, it's the sheep that suffer. That is an historical fact. If we branch into the realm of conspiracy, then we ask a more dangerous question. Our interrogation continues, leading us to wonder, what if the same forces training these folks are picking and choosing suitable candidates to lead future coups. To your example, Matt, what if what if you are in those halls of power, right? You've studied in Paris, you attended Fort Benning, you know, you've got some uh you've got some bona fides. Uh you hang out at a at a couple of uh training sessions and one day, as you're disillusioned about the state of your nation, you get a phone call, right? Or you have an interesting conversation. Maybe best to keep it off written record. And the next thing you know, you're getting a lot of support from a student group you never heard of, right? <laughs> you've, got a, you've got a suddenly very dedicated, very talented group of civilians, and they share your concerns about the nature of uh, barium supplies, right? <laughs> Excuse me, the spirit, the, the hearts and minds, whatever. Like, what if, what if the United States and its allies are purposely creating sources of future conflict and instability with the thought being they can control the resulting chaos. I mean, that's what the picture looks like from here. We can't prove it. We can't prove any of that. It's there's a, there's an intercept article. I think we're going to get to where there's an interview. Shout uh, out Nick. Yeah, dude, they, some of the quotations in there and like the takeaway from that, uh, God, I can't wait to, to discuss with you. Okay, go ahead. When we were talking to Rob, like I kind of naively on purpose, I guess, asked, but to what end does it make sense for us to be in the conflict in Vietnam when everyone knew it was a disaster and it wasn't going well? Like, why is it such a big deal to, to, to stay in there? And, you know, he very kindly patted me on the head, young lad, and said, <laughs> The military industrial complex, you dunce. Like, that was created. It was manufactured. It was a, a realization that, like, this is big business. And this is, you know, if, if we can maintain circumstances where we're in control of this flow of money, largely money that doesn't even have to be accounted for, then we're going to enrich everybody that we know. 
and that, you know, we'll have infinite favors <laughs> forever. I, mean, I know I'm oversimplifying it, but it's it's kind of wild. And as you long as it works. Yeah. And and it doesn't hurt that you're going to have a lot of natural resources to extract in these specific strategic places as well. And at first, this idea might sound trivial, right? Or abstract. We have to remember this does occur in the historical record. There is hard provable precedent for the use of proxies. You know, shout out Afghanistan. Uh, the uh, the Soviets did what they Muja deemed correct in that situation. And the U.S. <laughs> actively did the same thing. They trained, funded, otherwise empowered separatist proxy groups that later became their enemies when the geopolitical winds shifted. And look, we cannot accuse the United States of provably creating monsters with active malicious intention, especially when the simpler explanation may fall down to plain old negligence or factions within these agencies and this alphabet soup. I mean, and yet, you know, Sam Mednick had this uh had this point. Uh, the military juntas ruling Mali and Burkina Faso are getting military support from Russia. Mali is also working with the Wagner Group. Let's go to David Pugliz uh, from the Ottawa Citizen. He writes, African soldiers trained by U.S. and allied special forces at Flintlock have track records of launching coups to remove civilian elected governments from power in their home nations. In July, uh, he's talking, uh, I believe, in 2022. Uh, oh, no, he's talking in 2023. In July, military officers who had trained at previous Flintlock exercises ousted Nigeria's democratically elected president in a coup d'etat. There's a pickle. There's a Dude. pickle there. Well, and often there are a, there's a set of circumstances that someone from the outside, uh, I'm just, as an example, me, reading about the circumstances around a coup like that, feel like, oh, there's, there's serious corruption there, or there was a real conflict of interest, or there's something, right, that's being talked about. And you go, oh, I could see why maybe there was a coup in that country. But I think maybe from the outside perspective, the way this these coups get reported on, it's almost like it's justified sometimes um but i don't know often maybe i'm just personally confused about it because it does seem like there's something else at play behind the scenes that we don't get privy to mm, yeah very black monday murders right <laughs> the vassals of the <laughs> lattice and so on yeah the, like in recent years to that point uh officers trained by the united states have launched seven successful coups. And sometimes uh, they even get to coups on coups. Uh, domestic U.S. news doesn't often break a sweat reporting this. There are just too many celebrities to pay attention to. And, uh, coups on coups, domestic U.S. news. I was oh. hoping there would be a, an additional end rhyme, but uh, that was good enough for me. Oh, thanks, Noel. Yeah, we could totally. Well, let's just drop a mixtape on it. Like coups on coups, I think it will work. Uh, we also we owe a great deal of debt to investigative journalists who are all woefully underpaid. Uh, and if they're honest, they're not working for institutional forces. This is uh, this is someone we're very grateful to introduce. Uh, Matt, you mentioned him earlier. Nick Terse, uh, writing for The Intercept in 2022. He has this guy put the work in. He put the time in the blood, sweat and uh, the boots on the ground. He he was deep into the coup in Burkina Faso. 
And this coup that he spoke about, that he was intensely studying, it was led by a guy named Paul Henri Sandalgo Damiba. And this guy studied in Paris, uh, the military college in Paris. Uh, He also has a degree in criminology from France, and he spent a few years in the U.S. for training. He went on to serve as the interim president of Burkina Faso from January 31st of 2022 to September 30th of the same year. Uh, Things went sideways for him. He lost power. He was overthrown in, can you guess? Would anyone care to guess? (laughs) (laughs) Guantanamo. Well, it wasn't an election, that's for sure. Uh, (laughs) Oh, a coup. It was a coup upon coup. I got you. Yeah, I got you. like coups on coups on coups. So the results are obvious. There is a significant correlation between individuals trained by Western forces in things like exercise flintlock and then later coups, coup d'etat, you know, all day. And so the question is, we can't prove a conspiracy exists, but why does this pattern seem so strong? So maybe we end it here. The Again, we cannot emphasize this enough. The personnel training individuals via Flintlock and via other things like Flintlock, it is not unique. Uh, they are not weird supervillains. They're not hanging out, you know, like drinking the blood of the young or whatever and saying, I can't wait to ruin lives. They are genuinely working to do quite the opposite, to save the lives of innocent people. But again, all the stuff they're teaching it knows no real ethical constraint. You know, the, the, um, the window that you push someone out of, that window never asks you why that person is falling. You know what I mean? It's just a window <laughs> or it's just a gun. And these things are measured in terms of practical application rather than philosophical coziness and comfort. So is the United States and its Western allies, are they creating the enemies they may fight in the future? If so, are they doing this on purpose? That's a pretty complicated question. And it, it, and the problem with that as a conspiracy is that it ascribes a lot of long-term planning aptitude that historically doesn't exist. I'm just going to say it. Yeah. A lot of the conspiracies are just covering up previous mistakes. To, to me, it feels more like uh, inception, philosophical ince- inception. Yes. And that's really, I think that's really all you have to do in these train on the ground, exactly how to, um, the tactics to get it done and then get the top people who control the people who can do those things, like train them in the philosophy of the way things should be so that when those individuals observe things like government corruption, all that stuff occurring, they can actually use the tools that they have at their disposal to stop that from happening. I wonder what kind of, to the point about ideology, right? I wonder what kind of inspirational books are given, right? On the syllabus, on the hearts and minds. Is it (laughs) tracts? Is it like Ayn Rand, Atlas Shrugged? Is it laws of war or laws of power? Is it um, Sun Tzu? Is it chicken soup (laughs) for the teenage soul? Or yeah, chicken soup for the jihadist secret? soul. <laughs> yeah. secret, perhaps. Well, it's, uh, I was watching a video. It was titled Flintlock Exercise. It was posted like in 2016. And there's this guy, LTC William D. Rose. Yeah, Rose. Uh, Special yeah. Operations Command. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Africa. He 
he guys, I just want to see what you think about this. He says this quote, an African proverb that they our partners like to quote often is when your neighbor's house is on fire, you help to put it out in order to safeguard your own. Which sounds very good to me, right? That sounds like, yes, this is cooperation across countries for the greater good. Uh, If somebody's house is on fire, I don't want it to burn mine. So yeah, selfishly, I'm going to help you put it out. But also, I care about you enough, I think. It sounds really good to me. Just wonder what you guys think about that as like a part of the philosophy that's being taught. I watched uh, that video as well. I saw it via, oh, who is this? Dev Grew. 5022 that was the accessible one yeah yeah that's the that's the that's the one you can find most easily on youtube uh in this in this conversation i would say again uh these people are acting in good faith these instructors uh these veterans who have survived some crazy thing this is also an opportunity um a much needed opportunity for special forces to acquire training and experience. There's a reason this exists. It's maybe uh, multiple birds, one stone situation, right? But uh, <laughs> but are all the birds they're, they're aiming for, the birds the Americans and the uh, global civilian population want to hit? They're the ones that, as long as their birds hit them, all day long. Oh, sorry. I'm, not, I'm sorry, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm out of the metaphor into literal birds. Well, that's fine. Uh, we know how you feel about birds, Noel. I know. I just It's my brand. I got to say it every now and again. Just uh, al- along with this other training, they're also providing like civil aid, right? Or so you might call humanitarian aid, uh, working with uh, clean water sources in smaller villages, uh, working with hospitals to get them up to date and like updated and orphanages. Even this is all according to that same person that, that we were quoting here. Um, Lieutenant William D Rose. And they're also working with outreach activities, like numerous outreach activities in the small areas where they're having the flintlock exercises. Again, in my mind, it's good. It's they're helping people. Right. But you're also, Painting a picture of where this help is coming from and, you know, the type of help that you're going to provide, it just all, it builds on that Cold War thing to me in some weird way. You know, I agree with you. And I, I like, I propose that we end with a question and something that's bothering me more and more often for many years now. Yes, waging war on terrorists, however defined waging war on the quote-unquote bad guys, hostile states, that's all well and good. But what about the private industries that enable the chaos? What about those who profit uh, by the existence of war, regardless of victory or failure toward a specific side? These are often global conglomerates. They make money either way. So what about waging war on those corporations? Proven private industries doing real harm. Will the United (laughs) States or a similar power ever start a school like that? No. No. That's what they call anarchy. That would be burning down all that we've built. We've worked so hard to get to where we are. Why would you want to do that? What are you, some kind of nihilist? I just want like an LTC rose of some sort saying, you know, like far in the future saying, you know, little known fact, we actually trained the Halliburtons once upon a time. 
And uh, <laughs> the Halliburton Halliburtons? <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. Folks, uh, there's so much more we did not get to. We have endeavored to be even-handed about this, to point out things we cannot prove, to point out patterns that do exist. And most importantly, we want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts, not just about things like exercise flintlock, but about other similar uh, mechanisms throughout the world. Uh, shout out to dual use technology, et cetera, et cetera. We try to be easy to find online. Oh boy, do we ever. And I'd like to think we succeed. You can find us at the handle conspiracy stuff on, uh, X FKA, Twitter, uh, Facebook, where we have our, here's where it gets crazy. Facebook group where you can join in on the conversation around episodes. People still go to Facebook. I hope you do. It's a good group. Good people there. And uh, we also are that on YouTube. We're Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram and TikTok. We have a phone number and a voicemail system. Call one eight three three stdwytk Give yourself a cool nickname, and then you've got three minutes. Say whatever you'd like. We're excited to hear from you. Uh, you, when you do call in, please let us know if we can use your voice and message on one of our listener mail episodes. It's totally fine. If you don't want to, just say, hey, please don't use this. Uh, if you've got more to send, maybe links, maybe attachments, all that kind of stuff, why not instead send us an email? We are conspiracy at iheartradio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.